Well, hey, good morning. My name is Mark. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to start out with uh, telling you a story that, of, of my brothers. I've got a brother that's six, year old, six years older than me. I kind of wish he was here to tell it because I don't think I can do it justice, but something uh, kind of hilarious that happened to him a few years ago. Um, you know, was, there was a lot in the news about the, uh, the rest stops on the interstate and a lot of shady characters and shady things happening at these rest stops. And um, he's a pretty intense kind of guy. And he, uh, he was on a road trip and stopped at one of these rest stops. And, and when he got out of the car, he was already thinking, man, this is, this is a dangerous place. This is, this is not good. I need to, I need, you know, be, be ready for anything. And, and so he's, uh, he's at the sink, and this, this guy walks in, and they kind of make eye contact in the mirror with one another. And he thinks to himself, man, this, this, guy's, this guy's a bad guy. This is, this is not good, you know. And, uh, and so then he starts to make his way to the door, and the guy starts to follow him. And he's thinking, this, 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 guy's, this guy's following me. This, this, is, this is not good, you know. So then he goes and reaches for the door and goes to pull it, and, and it's, it's locked. It won't budge. And he, he thinks, but, all right, so he looks back at the guy, and the guy's kind of got this crooked smile on his face. So he reaches back up, and he grabs it again, and he jerks on it, and, and it doesn't budge. And so he says, man, I'm thinking at this moment, all right, well, I, there's only one way to go here. Like, I'm going at this guy. And so he, he turns around, and, you know, he's got his fist ready, and he turns around, and his foot goes back a little bit and hits the door, and it, it was a push door. <laughs> and so he looks at the guy, and the guy's kind of like, <laughs> uh, I don't know about you, I've found myself in a few spots like that where you are, uh, your back's against the wall uh, by myself or with teams where you realize that, hey, there is, there's only one way here, and, and that's forward. And there's this beautiful thing that happens, like your resolve gets really strong, uh, your fear, things that you were afraid of, like... You, you'll go right at them. You know, a, a group of people becomes really unified around a real clear thing to accomplish when there's no other way but this way, you know? And, um, you know, I thought about it. Today is September 8th, so this, this week we're going to hit 9-11. And I know there's a lot of, you know, things already happening. My, uh, my brother-in-law, uh, he's a firefighter, and he did something in some kind of event in um, Oklahoma City this past weekend around this. Like, he... I think he calmed up, I don't know how many flights of stairs, and they did something really cool. I know there's a lot of things like that, remembering 9-11. And I'm sure, I'm sure you guys are like me. I mean, I remember exactly where I was. I was at a, at a college campus in the Commons area, and there were a whole lot of people in there, and everybody was, you know, eating and hanging out and doing whatever. And I had just finished a meeting, and I was on a phone call with Terry, and I noticed that everybody started moving over by the television, and it was just a few, and then there were more, and then it was like the whole place was empty, and everybody was looking at the TVs, and I said, babe, I don't know what's up, but I got to walk over here and see what's going on, and, and I walked over there and joined this crowd and just didn't even know what, what to think, you know, just, just blown away for a bit, like, is this, the, is this even real? And in my lifetime, I mean, that's been the big event that I've watched our, our nation unify about what, what we're going to do, this attack, and now how we're going to respond to that, and what that means, and, and history has changed forever because of it, right? Um, a couple weeks ago in our small group when we launched, 
I was trying to get us all to know each other really well that first night. And even though we kind of knew each other, uh, just a little bit better, and I didn't want to do some, eh, some dumb icebreaker. You know, there's some dumb icebreakers. But uh, I just said, hey, what are, the, what are the three things that if I'm going to know you, that I got to know? If you're going to know me, you got to know these three things. And, you know, thinking more about that, I mean, there's a few things you need to know. A lot of you guys that know me kind of know. I mean, uh, I love my family. I'm, uh, I, I love them. Uh, I got a, got a love for India that, that dates back 20 years, that I, and I go there often. Uh, I like coffee quite a bit. Um, but if you're going to know me, I met somebody this week that I, that the first time I'd really spend any time with them. And if, if that person's going to know me, the thing they got to know about me is Jesus has radically changed my life. I am, I am, I'm not the man that I was before I met him. I'm not. I've experienced the last 20 years, I've experienced that there is life in him and that he's my only hope. When somebody shared with me that, you know, I'd heard a lot about Jesus growing up and I liked him and all and knew things, but when somebody really set me down and shared with me that this Jesus was the only way that I could be made clean of my sin, that what he had done was unique, what he, he, he was the only one that had the power I couldn't clean myself. I needed to trust in him and that what he did on the cross and when he came back to life again, that it made it possible for me to be made right with God again. When that really sank in and that he, this God wanted to have a relationship with me, it's never been the same. And this We Will series where we're studying through Acts I love it just that it's a story. I, 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 love, I, love, I love the story, and I love trying to step into the shoes of this group of people. And especially in this section today, and in chapter 1 and chapter 2, what do we see, man? We see this community that has been radically impacted, you know? And we can't say it enough that this Holy Spirit that, that shows up and fills them, these people are different and united around that, that message and that life change. You know, like Peter. Today, a lot of the stories about Peter. I mean, this guy Peter, I mean, he was denying Jesus, and, and now here he is. He's, he's standing up, boldly proclaiming, and 3,000 people believe in Jesus that day. That's a pretty big difference. Denying him, and then all of a sudden, he's the one that speaks, and God uses that to draw 3,000 people. Holy Spirit does something pretty powerful, Right? And so we see this group of people, and what we move into today, we're going to look at chapter 3, 4, and 5, which is a big chunk of Scripture. But what we're going to look at is now what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to work in this group of people. And I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to tell the story as much as I can from memory. I've, I've written down a few notes because there's some, some specifics. But you just got to listen and hear and just hear this incredible story, all right? So you got Peter and John, and they're going to the temple about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and a, a middle-aged man who had been lame from birth is being carried to be set in front of the temple to beg, and he would do that every day. He would sit at the front of the temple and, and beg, and so everybody kind of knew that guy sits there. And when he saw Peter and John, he began to beg from them, and Peter looks right at him, and he says, man, look at us. I mean, obviously, we're not, we're not rich guys. We don't have silver or gold to give you but what I do have, I give. And he reached out his hand and took him by the right hand and, and pulled him up. And the guy says that his legs and his ankles and his feet, like all of a sudden they're like new. 
And he, he doesn't just stand up, he, he leaps up. And then it says they walk into the temple together, but this guy's not just walking, he's, he's still leaping. I guess he's, I guess he's skipping, I don't know. And, they, and so here, here they go into the temple, and everybody starts to see him. And he's praising God, and, and he's skipping, and they're talking. And, it, and, and so everybody starts to recognize that this, this guy that was always sitting in front, like, like he's not there anymore, and the whole group is just floored. So the man, it says he's clinging to Peter and John. I guess he's just holding on to him like, man, I can't believe this has happened. And this, these guys. And so everybody identifies that, hey, this, something's happening with these guys that, that's caused this thing to happen. And so Peter speaks up and he says, why are you guys all amazed by this? Uh, why are you staring at us as if we did something? That, that's uh, somehow our power or goodness made this man able to walk. The God of your ancestors glorified Jesus. You, uh, you, you're the, the one you denied and betrayed. You had the chance to, to let him go when, when Pilate uh, gave you that chance, but you chose the murderer instead. You portrayed the perfect and pure one. You killed the author of life. He's having a pretty hard message for this group, right? And then God raised him from the dead. We saw him alive. Now, if you go back chapter 1, this is always just amazing to me. It says that they, for 40 days, Jesus was with them after the resurrection. So they didn't just kind of just hang out with him for a second and then him jet out. Like, like they spent time with him, and they testify, hey, I, we saw him die, you saw him die, and now, look, we spent time with him. He's alive. Um, and the, and we're, we're, we're giving testimony of this. It is faith in his name that has made this man well today. I know you guys were uh, just ignorant and didn't realize and that your leaders didn't and God knew that all along and it was part of his plan and, and, it's a, and so, uh, so whatever happened, happened. But you should repent and have your sins forgiven. And I love the way it says this, and begin a new time of refreshing in relationship with God. He said our scriptures talk about this, this day of salvation. The religious leaders were angered by this and had these guys thrown in prison overnight because it was too late in the day to do anything that night. But, uh, but many in the crowd, it says, believed that day. So remember a chapter before, Peter preaches 3,000. This day, it says at least 5,000 from that message that I just, I just spoke to you in my short form, 5,000. The next day, they called this meeting in Jerusalem, all the religious leaders, and basically anybody who was anybody was there. They brought Peter and John in, in the middle of the room, and started to grill them with questions and put them on the hot seat. By whose authority did you heal this guy, they asked him. What's their response going to be? They've already given it once, and they're going to they're leave no doubt. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit said, if this interrogation uh, is about a good deed done to a crippled man, then let it be known that it was by the name of Jesus, the one you killed, God brought back to life. He's pretty, pretty, pretty bold. Uh, this Jesus that you threw away as scrap has become the central focus and the thing on which everything hinges. And there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name that can save us except this Jesus. The group saw how bold these guys were and could tell that they weren't scholars. They were just blue-collar guys. They could also recognize, because they had seen them, they recognized that they were a part of this entourage that had been with Jesus. They, uh, they had them step out for a second, and these guys talked. 
They said we can't really do much to him because everybody saw this guy and he's healed. So they brought him back in and just said, hey, speak no more in this name. They just scolded him. But Peter and John said, would you rather listen to God or or listen to you? Because I'm thinking we should just listen to what God told us to do. So he pretty much told them, hey, we are going to continue to speak in this name. So after they yelled at him a bit, they let them go, and the crowd was still praising God for the healing. After they were released, what did they do? They ran straight to their friends, this community from which uh, they're so tight, and they told the story. Now, this group, how do they respond to that? So, man, they've had this persecution. They've been thrown in jail. All these things are happening. It says they praise God, saying, this is the kind of persecution that he promised. It's the kind of persecution that Jesus faced, and God is totally in control. So they prayed for boldness in the middle of the, of the persecution, not escape from it. God, make us bold. And it says that when they did this, that the place that they were standing shook. This group became very tight to the point that they were even sharing their their possessions and their money. Outsiders respected them. And it says that during this time, after this persecution, remember, they wanted to stop the movement, so they said, speak no more in his name. It says that now the numbers are growing more than ever. So instead of extinguishing it, they lit it on fire. 3,000, 5,000, and now we're talking more than ever. The religious leaders only became more angry. So they brought the apostles in, arrested them again, threw them in prison, but an angel let them out and told them, hey, tell you what, go now in the temple and, and preach of this way of life. Give them the words of life. So that's what they did. So when the leaders went and called them and went to the prison to go get them, they weren't there, and somebody said, hey, they're actually in the temple doing the very thing you told them not to do. All right, so they go get them, and they bring them in, and uh, they sit them down, and they said, we told you not to teach in this name. And Peter said, well, we got, we got to obey God, not you. I told you that. That's a little of my part of it. They, they wanted to kill them, but then one elder stood up, and this is a pretty smart guy. He goes, hey, listen, set, set them out of the room. Let me talk to you guys. Hey, these movements happen here and there. You remember that one that happened a little while ago and that other one that happened, and a leader will, will rise up. But then remember, that guy died, and the movement stopped. And that guy died, and the movement stopped. So just let this thing go, and this guy will die, and the, and the movement will stop. Or it won't. And he said, if it doesn't, it's of God anyway, and you don't want to be against that. So they decided that they would agree with that. So they brought him back in. They beat him but, uh, and told him again, don't speak in this name, and then they let him go. And it says that the apostles left rejoicing that they were given this opportunity to suffer for Christ in his name. Is that a cool story? Is that an amazing community? Is that an amazing God? And if you read it, and I challenge you to, to go read it yourself, chapter 3 to 5, there is this theme. There is this theme of this name of Jesus. There's this theme of this power in his name. This story is not about the, the crippled man that got healed. This story is not about Peter. This story is not about John. It's not about the apostles. They bring all the attention to this incredible Jesus, that this healing was done in his name, that salvation is in his name, that there is no other name. This is the name, and he is the one. Look with me at uh, just one section of that, uh, beginning in verse 7. And I said some of this, but I put it on the screen for you so you can read it exactly. 
And when they had set them in in their midst, they inquired, By what power and by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, "Rulers uh, Rulers of the people and elders, If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, then let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no other name, in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So I'll leave no doubt. There is, let me say it this way, there is one and only one. And I know that's not a a statement that's real popular, And I know that sounds real exclusive, but it's true. And to say anything else would be to lie to you this morning. There is one name. One name. You know, like I said, I've been traveling in India a long time, and one thing that you'll find out if you you talk to many Hindus, they, uh, they'll... (laughs) They'll always say something different about the way that they have found to get to God. And they will also always say that there are many ways. And that whatever way is good for you and whatever way is good for me. It's, it's just up to you. And I know that that sounds really good. And that today, I, more and more on this side of the planet, people tell me that. And that sounds good. But it's not true. There is only one God who left heaven and came to earth and lived on this planet sinless, gave up his life and shed his blood for us, and overcame death and came back to life again. There is only one. There is only one way that the sins that you've committed can be forgiven from that perfect, holy, pure God, and that's if his power does it. You don't have the strength to do it on your own. You can't. You can't. I don't care how good you are. The best of us in this room are not good enough. If you think you are, don't compare yourself with me. Compare yourself with God. You are not good enough to be in his presence. But he wants to make you that way. And that's what Jesus did. And faith in him, it makes it possible. By that name and that name only. Understanding that, believing that, wrapping your heart and your mind around that is huge because everything else that goes on here, this community got that. Jesus and Jesus only. Our only hope, our only salvation from ourselves and from our sin, this Jesus. And so what happens? Because they believe that's true, this community becomes crazy bold, right? Because they know anything other than that's a lie. He's our only hope. He's our only salvation. He's everybody else's only hope. And so we're going we're gonna to proclaim that. Not, be, not being bold about all the side issues. This issue is massive. Jesus and Jesus only. And so look at the end of that that we just read. It says that they saw Peter and John 
they noticed that they were just blue-collar guys, and they, they, they couldn't, like, say, hey, they were, all these things were happening by any strength that they had. They just, these guys are bold, and they've been with Jesus. You know, I made a, a little short run at being a cowboy back in the day. I guess I, when I, where I grew up, you just, like, you had to at least make one try at it, attempt. Uh, the boots didn't necessarily work for me. I never, you know, could do the big belt buckle thing. Rode a horse with a guy one time, and my horse laid down in the pond while his stood up. I realized, you know, and I was on him. I, 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 just, I just started to figure out, you know, I, maybe I'm not. But what got me into it and what I would do all the times with these guys who could really do it is watch these westerns. And, you know, the Young Guns and Tombstone. Now, something that's a reoccurring theme in these kind of movies, not just westerns, other, other movies too, but the, one, the scene I remember most is the tombstone scene when Wyatt Earp, you know, they're all hunkered down. See, you start talking like that when you're going to talk western stuff. They're all hunkered down, and bullets are flying over their head, and the enemy's right on top of them, and they're, they're going down. They've lost. They're all but cooked. And y'all remember what happens? Wyatt Earp stands up, turns back towards the bullets, I think he says, no, or something like that. He starts walking towards the bullets and firing his weapon. And the other guys, we're all tough guys in their own right. They're all like looking at each other like, what, 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 is, what is he doing? They end up winning that battle. And at the end of it, one of the guys is saying to another, man, have you ever seen anything like that? He said, man, I ain't even heard anything like that before. Boldness. Going at, at the enemy. You see, they were, their backs were against the wall. There was only one way to go. This one answer, this one Jesus, gives us one direction. And when, these, when this community encounters persecution and there's opposition in making that message known, well, they, what do they say? I, I really don't care what you say right now, sir. My God has saved my soul and given me a mission, and I'm, I'm going to go this way. So you can say all you want to. Keep it. You can beat me. You can kill me. I don't really care because this message is so valuable, and it's so life-changing, and everybody needs to get it, and you cannot stop me. And if you put me down, there's going to be 10 other that come behind me because this message needs to be heard, and it's such a part of my life that you can't rip it from my, my soul. And they're bold. But I think that boldness comes from this, this grip on that Jesus is the only. Because they repeat it over and over and over again. Are we bold like that? Are we still the ones kind of cowered behind the log? When you find Jesus in all of his glory, that picture, I don't know if White Earp's the best picture, but that's what it looks like, man. We need to be that as a community. This community looks like that. Did you hear what they said? They, they rejoiced that they had the opportunity to suffer with Christ and for his name. When, uh, when it happened the first time, they gathered together and prayed, not for escape from it, but for boldness in the middle of it. And there was something so special about that moment that the room they were in shook at the foundation. Y'all, there's something really powerful there. And I'm afraid that, that we're real quick to be weak-kneed. And we're real quick to just kind of 
let the louder voice be that there's a lot, there's a lot of ways, but there's only one, our Jesus. Yeah, it even says it in a verse, beginning of verse 29. <clears throat> and now the Lord, uh, and now this is their prayer, and now Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servant, uh, grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders and performed through uh, are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. You know, there's another thing that happens. That's verse 31. Verse 32, it says, Now this full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. You see, another thing this persecution did, another thing this, this one singular focus did, is it brought this community together in this incredibly tight way where they were, they were linked up, you know? I mean, ha- I mean that's a huge statement. They were of one heart and of one soul. It goes on in this part of the story that they began to share their possessions. That, that, that much connected, you know? I talked to a couple that's preparing for marriage this past week, and, and that was a big question they had. Like, man, I don't know. Are we going to, should we, should we, should we share our, even our finances? Man, if you're going to be one, I'd really encourage it. Here's this community, and there's so much oneness that they're even sharing their possessions. Crazy. It also goes on to say that uh, they had such, the, the people watching this and watching their unity were just so amazed, and they had this great rapport among all the people, and that's when it makes the statement that their number was growing more than ever because they were one. You know, last week, Charlie asked the question, and I think it's a great question. I'm going to ask it again. You know, why is it when we talk about small group that when life gets tough and the things that we say are true of small group, that small group should be the place that we lean into when, when things go wrong and everything goes black? Why does it seem like those tough times are the times that we, we retreat from, from small group and from community? And I think that's a great question. All week long, it's been, for me personally, I've been asking the question, what is why, why is that? Truth is, man, I think that for a lot of us, it's something that we add to our schedule. It's, it's, it's another meeting. I don't see that for these folks. It looks like there's lifeblood there. You know, I, if we were all in a big, deep hole and, uh, and a, a lifeline, a rope dropped in the middle of it, No matter what all our differences are, we would have one thing in common. Each one of us with our hands reached out, holding on to that rope. Because we know it's our only hope out. It's our only way. That's what this Jesus is. I've got a lot of community friends out there. I've got, I play boche ball. I've got a group of guys I do that with. I played frisbee golf. Some I got some guys I do that with, you know. I got some friends here. We got friends that are connected to the sports that our kids play. And, and the thing that's holding us together, that's connecting us, 
is that event or that hobby or that thing that we do together. And those are all fine and, and, and hunky-dory. But when, it goes, when life goes black, uh, I, I, that, that connection around uh, my kid playing basketball with your kid, there's, there's nothing underneath that that's strong enough to answer my questions and to give me life. I, if I lean into that, it breaks. It's, it's, it's not strong enough to hold. But my friendships that are connected to a faith in this Jesus, there's answers there. There's, like they, they even said, the angel told them to go into the temple and speak the words of life. There's life here. This couple I was talking to this week, uh, they weren't really connected to a community. And I said, who are you going to talk to when, when everything goes wrong? And they didn't have any names. I can throw out names from this room because that's, that's what we need. So what does it look like to be, to be united for this, this one? I haven't gotten in a fight with a lot of monkeys, but um, there, was, there was one time that I got in a fight with a monkey. Anybody else ever been in a fight with a monkey? And I'm not talking about a little monkey. I'm talking about a big monkey. When we, when we lived overseas, like, uh, there were a lot of monkeys, and we would see them often. And that we were told, man, the, the big ones don't mess with those big ones because they're, they're pretty mean, and they'll, they'll really get after you. So I pretty much just left them alone. But one day... Me and the boys, I got them some snacks, and we were walking down this little path, and uh, they had the drink boxes and some cookies, you know. They were just little guys. And this monkey jumps out in the road in front of us, big one. And uh, you know what they do? They show their teeth to like, kind of scare you, you know. So he showed his teeth and made some noises. And, uh, and I kind of backed up, told the boys, hey, well, all right, man, we'll just, we'll just kind of ease out of here, you know. But then about the time we started backing up, I saw the, that monkey... He was looking at me, and then he kind of went, and he looked at something over here. So I thought to myself, self, there's another monkey right over there. And I kind of glanced back, and sure enough, there was the same kind of monkey, big monkey sitting back there. So now what do you do? And I knew they were going after the drink boxes and the cookies, but I thought they might hurt these boys, you know? I got to protect my family. So I'm thinking, we can't go back. There's only one way out here. I found myself in the same spot my brother was in. There's only, there's only one direction, and it's, it's taking this guy out. <laughs> I can't take both of them out, but I can take you out. And so I, shared, I made my teeth like that, just like he was, and I started yelling at him, and I went right at him, and both of them ran off. That's my monkey fight story. <laughs> uh, you know what? It is amazing how bold you can be when there's only one answer and there's only one direction. We, we have the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in the name by which, the only name by which you can be saved. And we have a mission to make that known. And we got to link arms and do that together. That's what this community did. And it's a picture of what it should look like for us in this room. So over the next few minutes, as, you're, as we sing some songs, you know, there's the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper and, and to pray, um, to give. Those three things that I just talked about, that he's the one and only, I know that there are a lot of folks in this room who 
you think you, you like Jesus, you think it's cool, you know some things about him, but really getting your mind and heart around that he is your only hope, that all, the lot of us are broken, and he's the only one that can fix it. That name, that's new. And you need to think deeply about that. If you want to talk to somebody about that, come talk to me, or there'll be some folks in the back of the room. The idea of being bold if you ask yourself the real question, would you, would you be the Wyatt Earp going at the bullets? Or are you the guy sitting there shaking in, in his boots? You know? Are you willing to stand up for this name? And then if you're not connected to, to some other people in this community around that, you're missing out, and you're just a ticking time bomb to the moment that life goes black and you reach back and there's nobody there that can help. Or, even worse, you're not offering that opportunity to somebody else who desperately needs it. So think on those things and let the Holy Spirit reveal what he wants to do in you. Let me pray. Father, we we love you. And um, I just, I know that you want this to be true of us. I know that you want it to be true of us. I know that you want us to... To, to give all of our attention and all of our affection and our gaze to be upon you. I know that that life that we've found in you, that we've experienced in you, you want other people to know that as well. So you want us to be connected to others so that we can share those experiences, so that we can, we can share about that truth of who you are. You want us to be bold in that. Father, I pray that you would individually in this room this morning, that you would bring to our attention which part of that you want us to respond to and then, and then show us just like you did in this story to these folks show us what that next step looks like for your namesake Amen